we had received information um, about violations that had happened in December last year and January this year. The way we work in special procedures is we would usually get this information either directly from the victims concerned or from human rights organizations on the ground or organizations representing the victims or lawyers or family members. And so then we corroborate this information that we obtain from different sources and uh, we have reasonable grounds to believe that they're fairly credible. However, we obviously call them allegations because we also uh, send this information to the concerned government, so in this case Israel, uh, and we request uh, information from the state on this reported information. We request them to tell us their side of the story. In a nutshell, this pertains to reports of arbitrary and summary execution of women, many of them while they were seeking refuge, so fleeing uh, the bombardment and were displaced. They were clearly civilians. Some of them were even raising uh, white flags when they were killed. Now, I should say here that the arbitrary detention of women and girls from the West Bank uh, and Gaza are not new. Uh, however, these pertain to an estimated 200 women uh, and girls from Gaza and perhaps another estimated uh, 147 women and 245 children uh, from the West Bank. So the reports we have received is them literally being kidnapped from their homes in the West Bank, uh, moved to detention facilities in the West Bank in Israel. Same thing for uh, women uh, and children in Gaza being picked up. Uh, separated from uh, their family members uh, and uh, uh, really going through atrocious circumstances in, in detention uh, it, that, you know, is inhumane, uh, degrading, uh, involved uh, severe beatings, uh, involved denial of basic things like medical assistance, and also uh, being stripped naked, uh, having had their uh, photos taken of them in degrading situations. Veiled women have had their veils taken off, photos of uh, women being shared in these degrading uh, positions by soldiers. You mentioned that you shared the information with the concerned government, the Israeli government. Did you get any response back? We have not received any response, uh, which um, unfortunately is the norm uh, by the government of Israel. It does not engage constructively with the special procedures uh, or with the independent experts. And uh, we have in our letter uh, called uh, upon Israel to carry out an investigation of these uh, allegations and called more generally also for an independent investigation to happen. As you may know, there are several human rights and accountability mechanisms that have launched in investigations into the events of October 7th. And since then, uh, you have uh, obviously the Commission of Inquiry on the Occupied Palestinian Territories, which has two uh, investigations ongoing, one on the general events of October 7th and since then, and one actually on gender and sexual related uh, crimes that were committed. And so I would call on uh, not just Israel, but Palestine, all concerned uh, warring parties, but also victims, witnesses to collaborate uh, with these ongoing investigations, not to mention that the International Criminal Court obviously is also investigating. And then you have also the case at the International Criminal Court uh, 
regarding the prevention of genocide. So there's numerous ones going on. And I must say, I'm also looking at this very closely together with my other colleagues from the special procedures. And I should actually say that I've requested a visit to both Israel and Palestine in order to look at the uh, reports of gender and sexual based violence against all women, whether they are Palestinian or whether they're Israeli or other nationalities that may have been committed on October 7th or since then. And did you get any response to this specific request? No, not yet. When uh, did you um, submit the request, uh, Ms. Salem? It's been a while, actually. It's been uh, more than uh, a month, but probably even longer, more than two months. Is there a special responsibility for violations, if proven, of course, when they happen in a context of war or um, under occupation? Absolutely. Um, I think it was the head of the International uh, Red Cross said that war is not a lawless place. Uh, There are laws uh, to armed conflict uh, that uh, any party to a conflict, including governments, have to abide by, which includes as a minimum not targeting civilians, distinguishing between civilians and military targets, not to bombard or attack uh, civilian installations, including hospitals, including schools, including also cultural places, places of worship. And I I should say that actually uh, international humanitarian law and the Geneva Conventions also gave special considerations to the needs of women and children, who, as we know, are the majority, around 70% of uh, the 30,000 civilians that have been killed so far and and also the close to 70,000 injured. Your statement that you issued with other uh, human rights experts included shocking allegations. Uh, Did you feel that this statement got the attention it deserved from the public or world leaders? I think the statement did send uh, waves, uh, shockwaves amongst, you know, the wider public, um, less so, I would say, amongst governments. Uh, It's unfortunate uh, that victims do not appear to be equal when uh, such reports uh, arise and uh, reports of sexual violence and gender-based violence do not appear to be treated equally. I would say what's more shocking, though, than this, because this is frankly a layer of the many layers of uh, uh, widespread and egregious uh, violations that uh, women and children have suffered, uh, and that, as you know, uh, they suffer because they are Palestinian and because they are women. And by that, I mean, of course, you know, the ethnic cleansing, the unfolding genocide, the forced starvation, the denial of humanitarian aid, the systematic reproductive violence that Palestinian women in Gaza are being subjected to, and that through the really the the complete disregard for the needs of pregnant women, lactating women, the conditions under which women have to go and labor. And frankly, powerful states have allowed this onslaught to continue. Uh, they have uh, blocked you know, attempts uh, for a ceasefire. They have allowed this blatant impunity for these crimes by Israel to continue. And um, they have also therefore prevented you know, accountability for these crimes. And I would say it's particularly disappointing because a number of these countries that continue to export also weapons to Israel claim to have feminist foreign policies. So supposing they claim to center the welfare, lives and dignity of women. So there is obviously a disconnect between um, this declared goal and their practice on the ground when it comes to Palestine. What would you say to people in the region, um, in some parts of the world, who have doubts right now about human rights, about the principles? Yeah, I... 
I, I wish I had something reassuring to say. The problem is that, of course, what's happening in Palestine and Israel doesn't stay in Palestine and Israel. And I would say that through this war, the level of violence and dehumanization of women and children that has been normalized is incredibly uh, concerning because I think it will spill into other conflicts, into other situations where women will continue and children will continue to be killed uh, with total impunity continue to be violated and where, you know, it will not raise an eyebrow. And in fact, we're already seeing this happen. Uh, look at Sudan, look at the uh, incredible violence that is happening there. Again, the main victims of which are uh, women and children. And, you know, what this says, therefore, about our collective capacity as an international community to accept that.